The content presented in this episode is not financial advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to support any specific project. The views expressed are personal opinions only. Welcome to Relay Chain, a podcast produced by Parity Technologies, where we discuss all things Substrate, Polkadot, and Web3. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Relay Chain. I'm super excited for this one. Uh, I have Yubo here with me from the Parallel Finance team. How are you doing, Yubo? Doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Uh, before we get into all the amazing stuff that we're going to talk about today, I want to congratulate you um, for securing your, your parachain slot. That's very exciting. Um, we have a new batch of parachains onboarding right now, and you are one of them. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. We're super thrilled and excited about that. I can't describe you know, the feelings of having a new uh, parachain, which is, you know, like make the whole team like uh, worthwhile for, you know, the efforts we put it in. Yeah, let, let's talk about like how how long have you been building uh, Parallel Finance? What's been the timeline and how'd you get to the point you're at? We started the company six months, or maybe right now it's like seven months ago. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we are relatively new to the Polkadot space. But I, as I said, like this is such a, you know amazing time for us to, to see actually live and then start to, you know, make it more decentralized and start to launch the functions on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. Like uh, in such a short period of time that you were able to to spin all of this up, and and now you're live as a parachain. We've seen like it takes quite some time for other blockchains to to develop and you know even launch uh, at a basic functionality, um, years even. So like, how were you able to get this going in such a short period of time, like seven months? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I guess like we just sort of hire a lot of really good talents. Uh, We have a a team of uh, over 20 people and we're expanding to over uh, 40 people um, very soon, maybe in the next quarter or so. And then I I believe in the the powers of having a strong team to, you know, to delegate and and work on different issues so that the whole execution speed can be faster. Yeah, I, I think definitely the secret is to use the, the word like to attract the best talents in this space. Mm. And this might be a bit of a, a shameless plug, but does does uh, Substrate have anything to do with the ability to to develop a blockchain faster? Yes, I totally think so. Uh, so obviously compared with developing an application on Ethereum, smart contract is much more complicated, but uh, compared with other solutions on the markets, I think Substrate provides a perfect framework to customize your own blockchain demands and in a faster way because all of the modules are, are, are you know, like modulized, as I said, and, and it, it provides you with the basic, you know, peer-to-peer, uh, you know, modules, consensus modules, runtime modules, and things like that. So the framework is amazing um, that it, is easy for uh, developers to build a customized uh, chain. That's very cool. So before we we dig into like the technical aspects of of the modules that you were talking about that make up Parallel Finance, maybe you want to give us a a nice like overview of what is Parallel Finance. So Parallel Finance aims to help you know build the best uh, DeFi solutions in in the Polkadot space as a start. Um, eventually, you know, we transition to multi-chain strategies and even want to bridge with uh, normal consumers. So uh, on a high level, we have, you know, three stage kind of strategy. First stage is we want to provide the best solutions 
uh, as a DeFi chain in the you know Polkadot space. Second stage, we go after multiple chains, including Ethereum, and build solutions for you know the other sort of DeFi markets. And then um, the Ethereum DeFi market has around maybe like three million, couple million users in total, and two hundred million TVLs. And then uh, eventually, you know, we're thinking. Uh, the most important thing that matters to us is how to maximize the social impact, which we want to impact for a billion people within the next maybe 10 years. So how do we do that? We have to design a layer that is sort of hybrid, similar to a CFI kind of solutions. And then so people can use and people can actually, you know, onboard with an easy interface similar to Robinhood. So we would have a separate solutions for that uh, and then try to scale the team and build that in the next couple of years. So uh, uh, I would say like parallel finance start from a niche market and eventually go to the, the mass markets. Mm. Or the adoption of sort of decentralized finance by providing a uh, more financial inclusions to the to the people, financial diversity, and then you know the the efficiency to the to the to the society. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, aim for crypto natives first, the the kind of people that already are in the space and understand it. Yeah. Um, but with the end goal of targeting, you know, the the quote unquote normie, the the person that hasn't quite taken the first plunge into. Uh, into crypto, but wants wants a familiar experience. So I, I see that that's your goal. Okay, and so you recently secured your spot on on Kusama, and and I understand the the goal is to uh, participate to become a pair chain on on Polkadot. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Cool. So for those listening uh, that don't know, if we refer to Heiko, that means the uh, the Canary Network on Kusama and and Parallel, mm -hmm. it will be the name of the parachain on on Polkadot. Correct. Um, and okay, so so let's dig into the technology behind Parallel Finance. You've mentioned a bunch of of the modules that you um, you used right out of the box that are available in Substrate. Like, what what kind of modules were those? So that's a really good question. So we basically use the very standard substrate, uh, you know, uh, frame to to build the the whole technology uh, spec, and then we pretty much use everything that I just mentioned about, like from the you know the runtime to the you know consensus layer to the peer to peer networking layers and things like that. But most importantly, we build all of the customized uh, palettes in, in in the runtime itself, and then we provide you know functionalities in, in, in into it. Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that, we also use the XEM, you know, V two. Uh, as a basic framework to your messaging protocols to talk to other parachains in this space mm -hmm. uh, as the interoperability solutions for us. Yeah, um, there's so much that I want to kind of touch in uh, on that you you mentioned there. So so right off the bat, we have like some very standard things that are, are common across some parachains. You, you have on-chain governance. So uh, holders of the HKO token, the HICO token, are going to be able to um, to vote and delegate their votes um, to council and, um, and to vote on referenda and, and that sort of thing. That makes total sense. Um, but then you also have some, some interesting utilities for the token in terms of how the token is going to be burned as people use the platform. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, 100%. So um, we are trying to, you know, provide a really good token economic incentive for people to, to hold HICO tokens. And then one of the mechanisms that we burn token is uh, partially from the insurance pool that we have or from the uh, the protocol fees pool that we have. And through the governance decision, community decisions, we are able to you know, burn additional uh, tokens from the markets once we accumulate large amount of fees in the platform in, in terms of DOTS or Kusama. And then the majority of the fees will be definitely used for you know the coverage of the insurance pool, but the actual versions, actual portion of that, we can consider to, to burn the circulating tokens. 
I see. And so that was like a, an upgrade that you made to the original tech stack that just comes out of the box with Substrate. Very cool. And, and then you have also something I found super interesting was this idea that validators will also need to hold HKO in order to participate in, in the system. Can you talk about that? Yes. So, so first of all, we have uh, collators in the network, so people can run collators to earn additional HKOs, which is coming up soon, to secure the stability of our own network. And then we also select uh, validators for Kusama and Polkadot in order to provide something called liquid staking solutions, similar to Lido. And so there are 900 you know, currently active uh, validators for Kusama, and then there are around 900 that are waiting. There are a lot of matrices that we are looking at to justify what is the best validator? So one of them is, you know, their commission fees per error. What is their, um, you know, historical error points that they earn per, like, uh, as a proportion to other, you know, uh, uh, error points earning by other validators? And then we're also looking at um, their nomination amount. The less nomination amount, the more profits or the, you know, block rewards each um, nominators can hold. So that's the basic algorithms. On top of that, we want to incentivize people to hold more tokens. Um, and then the way that we do it is by providing a whitelist. So whoever hold additional HKO tokens as validators and put into our contracts become a whitelisted uh, you know, validators. So then we start to look at their specific you know, like data uh, from the historical standpoints and, and, and then select from the whitelisted uh, portions instead of you know, looking at a whole like 1800 validators. And that's kind of, first of all, like made the system more efficient by sort of self-selecting whoever provide some sort of insurance already. And then the other thing is really just to, you know, make the algorithm more efficient and faster uh, is to execute on chain. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, an amazing um, service to provide. I know that like some of my friends that I've talked to about getting involved in in Polkadot and Kusama, uh, that is one of the the sticking points for them is is nominating validators. It's like there's a lot of different parameters involved, and you know you you want to be able to assess these these different validators because you're you're putting your your funds at risk. So I think it's very interesting that you're you're creating an algorithm that kind of gives people an idea of of that that risk and and tries to select validators that are going to be uh, more reliable and i wonder will you be able to open this up to the general community and like make these algorithms public so that people can use this information uh, maybe across other validator systems not just for um for parallel yes we can definitely do that and then this is part of the plan to make uh, things you know all it's actually technically open source it's just the specific parameters we haven't open source because we're you know sort of still like you know, testing out. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. part of the plan is to open source. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that'll be super useful for technically, everybody. Technically, like we can also do that too. Like, so if people don't want to use our platform, but they want to use their own like self, you know, sort of, uh, they want to, they want to, they don't want to do liquid staking, but they just sort of want to use our algorithm to select the validators. We can also potentially provide that solution to the user as a, as a product mm -hmm. itself to make the staking more easy to use. Everything doesn't go through our chain. You just directly, you know, talking to the relay chain, but then you use a better front end and we use the algorithm. So that's something we can also provide. Absolutely. I think that's um, super valuable there. You were talking about making it accessible to the, the general public. Yes. I think that that's a super, um, super good product to provide. Um, another use case for the Heiko token um, is it's used in like the security module. And I'm, I'm very curious about that. Like how is this used to hedge risk and, and incentivize rewards and, uh, and so forth? Can you explain that a bit? 
Yes, 100%. So I'm actually a few guys familiar with the Aave security module. Uh, essentially, they uh, mint additional Aave on a on a pretty much on a daily basis, maybe you know a thousand Aave tokens, and then um, the people who stake into the um, security module contracts, they have to stake Aave tokens, would be able to earn the additional rewards. Uh, however, there is a chance that they get slashed by you know, up to thirty percent if any network shortfall or any you know losses happens. So a uh, similar idea here, we had a customized uh, contracts or pallets that host those you know funds, and then we strength additional rewards. Um, however, if there are any you know security issues that happen that causes some shortfall into our protocols, then a portion of that funds will be used to cover the loss. So it could be 20%, it could be 25% or 30%. Mm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So users can participate by putting uh, HKO into the security module and they're rewarded. And anytime that we're we're using our tokens for other purposes, I'm, I'm curious if those tokens also can be used in in governance because you have your your token has governance rights. And so, like for example, when we're staking DOT in the proof of stake algorithm, you can also use those DOT to to vote in governance. So would that be the case with this kind of security module? Yeah, yeah. So that's something that we plan to do for sure. So all staked uh, HKO tokens will be used for, you know, on-chain uh, governance and then, you know, casting their votes to a specific proposal or re referenda. Nice. Is there anything different about your governance model that, that people might want to know, like being familiar with uh, with Kusama or, or Polkadot? We try to, for now, we try to make the same system as Kusama or Polkadot just to make people easy to onboard. Um, eventually, we're thinking about some sort of, you know, credit systems or some sort of identity system. So once they have identity, then we could p potentially increase their, you know, uh, voting powers once they had a pretty good history of votings or like, you know, behaviors on chain. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, I think that um, it's a tricky problem in the DAO space right now in, in token voting um, systems where we, we see a lot of voter apathy or um, just like absentee voting kind of thing. Yeah, do you have any thoughts about uh, how to optimize that? I think that you, you kind of just highlighted one of the mechanisms by by increasing people's voting power based on, on past actions and um, engagement. But do you have any other thoughts around like how to increase engagement in, in terms of governance? Yeah, that's a great question. You always ask amazing questions. So um, engagement issue is actually one of the largest issues for a coin-based voting models. So if you read a Vitalik post, there's a lot of issues with the you know the coin-based voting models. One of them, the biggest one, is obviously the uh, the lack of participation. You know, one of the peop like common solutions is delegation. However, I still kind of feel like the incentive is not 100% you know aligned. Then um, regarding the question you asked about the you know the participation rates, um, we are lacking some proper you know incentive mechanism for for the correct voting results, right? So even if you vote for a correct results, especially for smaller voters, they don't feel like their contribution really matters to the whole community because it is determined by the supermajority or the simple majority. So that that's kind of discouraging for smaller voters. So their sort of good idea are not able to be hear, heard. Um, and everything have a multiplier be, because of their, their you know, coin holding powers. So it does actually give more incentive for the bigger holders to vote the right decision, but smaller holders, they just sort of, okay, my, my vote doesn't really matter that much. Why don't I just delegate to someone else? So the one way to do that is actually to create some more incentive around that. So 
even if you have smaller votes, but it doesn't matter your percentage, but as long as you, you know, vote for the right ideas constantly, then you get a better score or you get a better reward system in the protocol. Uh, maybe you get a better fee model or maybe you have more voting power in the long term. So that actually going to make people more likely to vote for, you know, the optimal outcome. And then, um, that, you know, that's one way that I'm thinking about. The other, the other interesting way would be sort of, you know, create some uh, gamification to uh, the voting systems. So let's create a, a role called uh, protocol politicians, and then let's create NFTs for them. So whoever votes for the right decisions, you get, you know, the first 1,000 people who vote the correct ones, boom, you get the coolest uh, NFT on our platform. And then uh, holding by holding that, you prove you, you have some social, you know, credentials and then, you know, social powers within your, your friends. So um, that could be another really interesting, you know, mechanism to make things fun, because you don't want to make politics as boring, <laughs> and you want to gamify that. So you know. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely a tricky thing. Like we we want increase engagement, but uh, yeah, as you said, politics can be boring, and um, we don't want to over incentivize where where then people are no longer incentivized to to become knowledgeable and they just like click vote, vote, vote because they're hoping to get the incentive. So I think it's a tricky, tricky balance. Another question about governance is, are you guys employing conviction voting for your your governance? So like a, a smaller holder can get a multiplier on their vote by by locking it for a longer period of time? Yes, we're definitely interested in that. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. A few episodes ago, we had uh, Zeitgeist on and they were talking about futarchy, which was a new concept for me, but I, I thought that was super interesting. And it, it kind of sounds a little bit similar to what you were saying there when uh, by showing that you are voting with the plurality, you know, quote unquote, making good votes and giving people some credit for that over time. So I think that's um, an interesting use there of of using futarchy. And it's going to be interesting because it's sometimes really hard to argue what is the you know the the right votes, what is the wrong votes. It really depends on the perspective that you're looking at. As I said, like some people look at short-term price movement, some people look at the long-term you know market shares of the protocol. So it's really hard to judge which one is better. And then uh, technically, it it has infinite possibilities if you want to simulate the results, right? So say for example, there are two possible outcome A and B, and then some people vote A and some people vote B. So for the people who vote A, if they want to you know uh, calculate the marginal benefits of voting A against B, you have to sort of simulate the results of voting B. However, you know the world is super complicated. You know by voting B, you can create super complex you know results that even the supercomputer cannot simulate. So you don't know the actual results. So it's not deterministic. So I wouldn't say that there is a deterministic way to determine <laughs> like if it's a right vote or wrong vote. Absolutely. I think um, how how they address that in some few target systems, I guess in, in the case of Zeitgeist is like they, they have a, some discrete kind of measurement uh, before in the market. So it's like, we will hit X by Y date, or we will increase, you know, efficiency by this percent, and there's actual metrics, and then you can put stake towards um, the outcomes. And then at that date, then it becomes a discrete thing. It's like, did it happen? Or did it not happen? And those that didn't vote on the on the side of correctness, in this case, of the turnout, then they, they lose their stake, and it goes to the people that that did. And then, you know, you can build some reputation over time based on on being right more often. That's like a I prediction guess. market, customized prediction market for you know voting. Exactly. You yeah. bet your um, stakes into a specific outcome. If it achieved, then you get it. That's super interesting, actually. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, these are some new things that I've been thinking about, uh, and um, Zeitgeist introduced that concept to me of a futarchy. But it's uh, it's really not a, a new thing. It's it's been around for a while. I just hadn't heard about it. So, in the, in the traditional like internet stuff, we always have uh, A/B test, right? Mm. So uh, the server would uh, randomly select a portion of the sample to deliver A, and and the other you know portion deliver B, and then mm-hmm. because they control the variables, right? All the variables, so you actually can clearly see the the results between decision a and decision b in a blockchain system it's going to be interesting if we can sort of you know randomly select the users who can sort of you know use the proposal a and the user use proposal b then you know it's super clear that how much you know potential reward should, should we give to the people who vote on the correct results and then if we simulate for a while then it's actually pretty interesting it's like kind of data driven decision mm-hmm yeah, and I, I wonder. I mean, I'm sure it's possible. Like with substrate, you can you can make two similar uh, palettes, and then potentially give the option to the user which palette they're going to use, and then derive data based on what what palette they use. Or um, you might even be able to do like you're saying and and randomly select based on their address, um, kind of thing. Who who uses which palette for a period of time? All kind of experimentational. Um, you know. Uh, out of the box thinking just uh, off the top of my head there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think everything's possible um, given enough time and uh, and effort, I suppose. And and Substrate makes that uh, very possible with the flexibility that it has. I think it's very possible. And it's going to be super interesting because a lot of the on-chain data can be tracked. Like a lot of people measure TVL as one of the you know important success, especially with the DeFi. And then, um, so it's, it's, it's easier to measure that in, in when you have like two pellets Right. So, and then you can exactly see like, okay, through those pellets, uh, and with different parameters, which pallet contributed more TVLs in the next period of time. And that's mm-hmm. like clear uh, and strong evidence to prove that which decision might be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope to see that in the future. It sounds really cool. Um, okay. So we talked a, a bunch about like the protocol in terms of how it's run, but like what can uh, users now actually use parallel for? I want to talk about these sorts of things. And, um, you know, one of the, the products I saw that you guys offer is this leveraged uh, staking kind of uh, product. Can, can you talk about how that works and, and the different capabilities here? Yeah, so uh, we have a lot of products, and then uh, I will definitely introduce you about the uh, the auction, the Crowdloan product in a bit. But regarding the sta- leverage staking, so um, what we can do, because we have money market and liquid staking protocols, what we can do is when the borrow rate of Kusama or DOT is lower than the staking rewards, then you know you can technically arbitrage the, the interest rate difference. So, and then we capitalize that opportunity for every users in the space. So we'll give you examples here. If the borrow rate of DOT is currently at 5%, and then if the staking rewards of DOT is uh, 12%, so what people can do is they can borrow at 5% as the, uh, as the um, capital cost, and then earning that 12% rewards as the revenue. So technically they can earn 7% return, basically risk-free because you are borrowing uh, DOTs. You use your uh, staking derivative as the collateral to borrow the denominated asset, which is DOT. And then the staking derivative token, XDOT on our platform, appreciate against DOT. So there's no price risk, there's only interest rate risk. If the interest rate flip, right? So the borrow rate is much, much higher than the, the staking you know, rate. Let's say the borrow rate become like 20% and you are earning 12% by staking, then you're losing 8% per year. So you are likely to be liquidated over time if your collateral is not enough. So for us, we 
make it into a easy one-click you know product so whenever interest rate difference is positive then people can just say hey let me put some collateral and then they will just keep on earning that uh, additional interest rate difference until the interest rate flip and then those people can get out and then that would actually help to uh, switch back the interest interest rates i see okay very cool so that's leveraged staking. You also have this uh, liquid staking, uh, which we've we've seen um, start to like pop up on on Ethereum um, as they migrate towards um, V2, but also on KSM and DOT now. So do you want to talk about um, the different types of KSM and DOT that you'll you'll offer? Yes, so we offer something called XDOT and XKSM, which is our second derivative. And then uh, XDOT and XKSM, the benefits of using our protocol is, first of all, is liquid. So you can technically like, uh, you know, stake much smaller amount that you want. Um, and then second of all, it is available for uh, as a collateral to use in a DeFi system. So as I said, you can use your XKSAMA or XDOT as a collateral to borrow money to do margin staking or to do, you know, additional crowd loan contributions and things like that. Um, and then um, XDOT and XKUSAMA is also a really good uh, asset to be able to trade against multiple assets, such as like Polkadot's uh, ecosystem projects. So it could be potentially a base layer you know, currency for people to use because it just is easy for users to wrap all the interest into one single token, but you can also use things on top of it. Mm. So imagine like you, tr you use treasury bond, right? A US treasury bond as the base currency to purchase you know, you move tickets where, you know, you purchase your house uh, and then you use that as a cloud to borrow more money to do whatever you want. Uh, and then the, 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 the good things, as I said, is the fact that the treasury bond that you hold, like the quote unquote treasury bond, increase in value against the denominated asset, which is that. So you are earning that interest while you are sleeping. Right. Crazy DeFi world out there. So many um, new concepts to kind of uh, figure out. I want to talk about um, the unbonding time and and keeping that yeah. uh, that dot liquid. So yeah. typically on Kusama, you need to wait seven days to unbond on on dot on Polkadot. It's twenty eight days. Um, how does that work uh, using Liquid Dot or KSM? Yeah, so um, the, the way that we do that is uh, we actually have two systems to ensure that liquidity is sufficient. Uh, the simple way is actually to use our money markets. So so we have a money market on the back end, and then we have a middleman. Well, money managers in, in, in between. So if the people want to unstake right now, right? So what technically this uh, middle manager is doing is say, hey, you know, because this guy is trying to unstake, there is no principal risk. Um, and then so I'm going to help this guy unstake for the next seven days. And then um, I'm going to borrow a flash loan from the money markets. And hey, because there's no principal risk, I'm going to borrow a flash loan for the same, you know, quantity for the user and user do that. And then depends on the current market interest rate. Let's say the current market interest rate is, is let's say like 2%, right? So, and then seven days, it just technically like 0.038%. So as long as the user pays 0.038, which is seven days interest payments, then technically you get everything back. Mm. Um, so that's one way, easy way. And then we actually increase the usage of our you know basic money market protocol. It's kind of like a, a customized version of a flash loan. Mm -hmm. That's something we can put for like instant unstake and then just pay the market rates. The other way we can do that is through our, you know, new, newly designed AMM curve. So the AMM curve, the middle portion is a custom sum, meaning that you don't have any, you know, slippage while trading. And so th this is kind of another way that we design where if you trade a smaller quantity of the total pool, let's say, you know, one tenth of the pool size, like the pool can be pretty large. The pool, the AMM pool between X Kusama and Kusama or X dot versus dot, it could be 
pretty high. It could be like, I don't know, like nine figures, eight figures. If you only trade like 10%, 12% of the pool, then you are trading on a curve that doesn't incur any slippage, which means that you can just get your money back instantly. And then obviously, like if you trade large quantity, yes, sure, you, you have to have some slippage. So that's kind of how we do. And then we provide like liquidity stability pool on, on two sides so that whenever the price is moving, you know, out of the range of the current exchange rate, right? The, the, the price of X stock can be different than exchange rate of X stock. If it's different, then the stability pool can come in and do the arbitrage. So that's a little bit more complex, you know, system to help people unstake. However, think about two solutions. The first solution is you pay the, you know, the market rate of seven day interest payment or 28 day interest payments. The second solution is you technically pay the trading fees, right? So it could be different, right? So the, the second solution is you're paying maybe like, you know, 30 basis points. And then um, the, the first solution, you can maybe also paying like 30 basis points, depends on interest rate. If the interest is pretty low, you should use the first solution. If the interest rate is pretty high, then you can use the second solution. I see. So you're creating a lot, a lot of different options here, but essentially, if you want to get your your stake back early, you're going to pay some sort of fee, or you can wait the, the typical unbonding period and, and there wouldn't be any fee involved with that, right? Yes, exactly right. But you're also getting the added bonus of being able to use that asset in, uh, in your other um, financial kind of offerings. Okay, makes a lot of sense. So when you are liquid staking, so we, we talked a little bit about this earlier, like you're actually nominating people, you're not nominating validators on the relay chain. And so your algorithm is working in the background to find the best validators. Mm -hmm. Are you planning on running your own validators uh, like as parallel finance? Oh, not at this moment. This is not the core business. We want to make the, you know, the product accessible for more users. So we will try to develop more products and, you know, make the UI UX much better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, we already talked about how um, you're going to use past on-chain data as well as uh, different variables, the commission rate um, to, to formulate this scoring system in order to choose the best validators. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very cool. Correct. Um, another thing that I'm always curious about with these liquid staking mechanisms is what is the, the KSM going to be used for, right? Is, is if it's in the control of, of the protocol, like Parallel Finance or Heiko, like how will that KSM uh, or DOT be able to be used in governance? Um, how do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah. So I think we just mentioned about that. So for, for uh, staked DOT, uh, stake the Kusama on our system, we are able to cast the votes uh, on the relay chain so people can still vote through the mm -hmm. portals that we provide. So you're going to be able to tell Heiko or Parallel how you want their vote to be cast. Okay, exactly. so you'll, you'll just act as a proxy um, yes. to, to vote. Okay. Yes, exactly right. That's awesome. I'm also interested about like the the collateralization rates for when you're you're taking out loans, and I guess that that might be getting into some of the other products that you offer with the P tokens. Mm, yeah, so P token is basically the token for the money market protocol. So if you supply any asset into our system, you got a P token. So for example, if you supply X dots into our system, you got a PX dot. If you supply, you know, Heiko, you got P Heiko into the money market, similar to C token on Compound. Uh, which is essentially an interest-bearing token that represent your, you know, a future uh, current interest uh, and wrap your your interest into that specific tokens. Mm -hmm. It's just an easier, easier way to to represent your ownership of the money market. It's sort of like a certificate or deposit of the money markets. Mm -hmm. And and so with these these P tokens, you're then able to take a, out loans based on on this collateral that you've put up. Is that am I understanding that right? Mm -hmm. 
so P token is just a representation of your current collateral. So you can directly, you know, borrow against your position on the money markets if you have own some P tokens. Okay. Cool. And and so that brings me to that the question I had is like the collateralization rate. So how much you're able to borrow against what collateral you have put up? What are your your considerations around that? And how do you guys um what's your, your strategy for that? Yeah, so so we're working with Garland and then uh, starting sometimes next year. So they help uh, with, you know, Avi and Compound with their risk uh, parameters and then a lot of the suggestions on the specific uh, collateralization ratio. For us, um, we started with dot related, uh, you know, derivatives. So like C dot, X dot, and dot itself and things like that. And then so the collateralization ratio is pretty high because it doesn't involve any liquidation risk. Right, um, and then especially when you use, you know, the dot derivative as the collateral itself, and especially when it wrapped interest payments, when you borrow dot, it doesn't have price risk. So we give pretty high collateralization ratio, maybe ninety percent or even higher than that, so that people would have a pretty big incentive to keep on borrowing more dot from the system. And then we just ensure that you know the C dot or X dot can be able to redeem redeem to the dot itself at seven days or you know a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you you mentioned that Gauntlet's going to be helping you uh, work out these uh, these parameters. And will there also be mechanisms by which the users can like vote on what these parameters might be and change? Yes, all of them are votable. So technically, like we start to set the initial parameters, and then we also want to have you know community proposals to actually change based on the the, the governance and community ideas. Okay, cool. And then that brings me to the PX dot. So it, that's like a that's a fusion of the X dot and the P dot. Uh, do you want to just like quickly talk about what that means? That means that you are uh, first stake your dot, and second of all, you put your stake dot into the money markets as the collateral to do whatever you want. So uh, it's just a combination of staking and money markets. Okay, makes sense. All right. So then now you also have this new kind of product called auction lending, which is is yeah, uh, very interesting, and uh, I'm curious about that. So, how does this work? Yeah, so um, this is something we're super excited, and um, you know, the crowdloan is the biggest market for Polkadot as a you know use case right now. <laughs> most of the dot has been used for crowdloan, and and actually no, most of the Kusama, uh, I think from the previous two slots, uh, two batch, there are 800 million for 400 million for the first batch, like 400 million for the second batch. Words of Kusama has been you know voted for the crowdloan. And then um, we noticed that problems exist in the space, like liquidity is a problem. You have to lock your Kusama or DAF for a year or two. And then, you know, trust between the team and the investors, that is also another problem. You are trusting the team to give you tokens. What if, you know, there's there's no contract, technically there's no smart contract guarantee that. And then, so we, we sort of wanted to improve the system by providing a, you know, a platform solutions in, in the middle. So people use our chain, use our parachain to contribute to a specific crowd loans. Uh, so there are two ways to contribute. First is the normal ways. You just contribute and then boom, you help directly contribute to the relay chain. We just do a, you know, batch transactions. We don't hold you money, just go into our chain and go to contribute. And then people are gonna earn something called C dots. Uh, and then also they earn a normal project token. Uh, first of all, what is C dot? C dot is your, you know, certification of or your um, right to redeem the dot, underlying dot, at the end of the you know, lease period. And then uh, it's one-to-one -one ratio. It's always one-to-one -one ratio, one C dot, meaning that you can uh, redeem your dot 
at the specific port at a specific time. And so the naming of that is going to be interesting. So you call C dot maybe dash uh, Akala C dash dash uh, Moonbeam or something like that. And then uh, you by using our money market protocol, you can actually pay the one year or two year worth of interest payments to borrow the whole money out. And then you can re-engage into the uh, you know any other you know car loans to improve your capital efficiency. That's something we can do. Let's say that interest payment is like five percent a year. So if you just pay five percent a year, maybe you just you know sort of get your whole liquidity out and then do that again if you want. So you technically can repeat twenty times if that's something what people want, right? And then um, actually no, you can repeat you know infinite times. But that's not something we sort of encourage because whenever you borrow more, the utilization of money market go up. So the interest rate is going to be higher. In the in the end, you might not want to do that anymore. Um, so that's advantage one, which is provide liquidity by using the money market protocol. And then the other advantage that our platform provide is additional reward from our side and then the, the project side. So we talked to projects and then uh, we said that, hey, if we can help you guys raise, you know, a million dots, two million dots, three million dots, then, you know, they would provide some additional bonuses to our platform. And then we're going to match the same platform. For example, if through our platform, we help uh, a project raise I don't know, like a million dot, then the project provide a 2% additional bonus. We will match up 2% additional bonus from Heiko or Parallel. So meaning that a user in the end will benefit from, you know, this collective, um, you know, volume-based discount to that specific projects, both from them and from us. And then obviously number three, we sort of, you know, mint those tokens on our chain. So in the end, obviously we want every single issuers or the teams to write the rules on our chain, right? How do you want to design the tier system, how do you want to incentivize, what is the investing schedules and what is some special bonuses and how that works. Everything, we are trying to get people write the code actually on chain so that it is clear that this is how exactly the, you know, the crowd loan uh, rewards gonna work instead of just, you know, some medium you know, post word like Twitter stuff. So that's kind of the three benefits of our uh, first version of the platform. And then the second version of platform, we enables under collateralized loans, right? So same thing here. You just need to pay the interest payments to the money market protocol and then or the auction loan money market protocol. And then you can borrow out the whole principal amount to contribute to a specific crowd loans. And since there is no principal risks with participating in the um, crowd loans, then the money market protocol can give that credit to the user. So, hey, you know, go for it. And then just we know that the money will be returned after a year or two years uh, or, you know, after the project failed, the auction failed, then they can just use that much more capital to sort of, you know, engage in additional, uh, you know, crowd loans that they want. That's kind of how we think about the under collateralized loan for, for the users. Okay. So the first part you guys have uh, kind of spec'd out and, and ready to go, but um, you're working on the V2 kind of spec right now. And uh, so yeah. people should look out for that, uh, that white, paper, white paper coming out soon, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I see. So there's one one part there that I wanted to touch back on. So you you want these projects that are launching their parachains to uh, create these offers through your parachain. And so correct me if I'm wrong. So you've created the, uh, a palette or the functionality on your chain to allow these projects to create offerings through you. Um, and so how how does that actually get implemented? Is that through like smart contracts or are they are they actually like creating like runtime upgrades to your pair chain to create these offerings? Like how, how does that get implemented? Right now they have to do a, uh, so we write certain rules, like for example, the hard cap, soft cap, the, uh, the, the, the vesting period, and then the, um, like the basic, like, you know, uh, ending time, stop time and things like that. So we just, you know, fix some parameters and then we just need to do a governance uh, runtime upgrade. In the future, 
I suspect that it will be helpful to write a code, for, uh, you know, to provide, a, you know, a smart contract capability, maybe just Solidity contract for them to deploy. It's kind of a little bit further ahead of time. We haven't really think really clear, but for now, we want to solve the, you know, bigger issues, which is the basic, like, what is the cap? What is the releasing schedules? And then we provide some linear functions, you know. Uh, eventually, I think it'll be great to have people with the right code to develop on top. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as it stands, this is baked into your runtime. It's baked into your uh, to a palette, and um, and you can enact these upgrades through through a runtime upgrade. And so that's again like the flexibility of Substrate at work there um, that you can like just make these arbitrary changes and um, upgrades to your chain. That's pretty awesome. I think we um, we covered most of the the products there. Maybe there is one thing that we didn't touch on, and um, that was the predictive yield curve. Uh, we we touched on it, I think, a little bit, but it's this is like something new for your for like the automated market making uh, protocol, right? Um, it is pretty much uh, you know the same concept, which is essentially a new curve that helped lower the uh, slippage for non-hard-packed assets such as faking derivative versus the denominated assets things like that and then yeah our goal is to probably like create this you know sort of new market for the amm there are like the general markets and then there are the stablecoin markets and there are like things that are you know in the categories of non-hard-packed assets for example interest-bearing tokens or staking derivative and those things so when you trade staking derivative with against um the denominated assets, you don't you definitely don't want to use the normal uh Uniswap curve just because the slippage that it incurs. And then um, because the the exchange rate or the support the the you know the intrinsic value can be predicted by the uh, staking pallets, then we know what is the mar- what's supposed to be the intrinsic market price. So that's why we kind of designed the curve that is designed to be traded in the intrinsic value range to minimize the slippage. I think I saw a diagram about this, but this is done by adding a third token to to the pool, right? So it's not just a a two token pool. There's another token in there that balances these tokens out. Is that right? Yes. So you have to have the other token to balance that out. Uh, it's kind of a stability pool that we call it, mm. and then that will do the you know the arbitrage whenever the price is not equal to the exchange rate. Right. I see. And so, yeah, that that's kind of a, a concept that I've seen before in um, the balancer port protocol and um, where they have multiple assets in, in a pool um, and you can set like the ratios between that. Is that something that you guys are, are moving towards as a, a direction or are you going to offer other multiple asset pools or what's the idea there? Yeah, so not at this moment. Um, maybe we'll consider that in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, and again, like these are made specifically for correlated assets, right? True. Yeah. Okay. And and you're planning on staying in that space um, for the near future, as opposed to um, creating pools for uncorrelated assets, meaning like not X dot matched with dot. Got it. So yeah. Um, so we are creating pool for you know like correlated assets. For uncorrelated assets, we have a basic AMM curve right now. So like the Uniswap V2 model, and then for multi assets. I think uh, it will be in the future, um, mm. not at this moment. Right. Very cool. 
So yeah, as we discussed at the beginning, uh, Heiko just launched as a Kusama pair chain and Parallel is going to be aiming to launch on Polkadot. Um, can we talk about what the difference is between um, these two networks are? Because I think that is a, a main question, like newcomers to the Polkadot ecosystem. Uh, it, it's a little confusing for folks, like why have two networks? Don't, won't one um, make the other obsolete at some point? Um, can you can you share your thoughts on, on uh, first of all, why you um, adopted this kind of framework? And, and then like, let's discuss what the differences between the, the networks will be. Yeah, so the Kusama network is the network that provide, uh, you know, innovative features first. So uh, I think we want to provide something similar. So on the Heiko network, this is the network that we build more innovative features and then test it on top or use it on top um, with like real real world value. And then um, eventually, you know, once the features is more stabilized, we move to the uh, parallel network on Polkadot. I think that is the kind of the value of like, getting more innovative features on, on top um, and, and, and then, you know, like using it with the real world values on top. And then the other separation is really just how fast we can deliver on Kusama versus, you know, the more conservative approach for the parallel network on Polkadot. I think it's a deployment choice as well. So we do want to be like faster, much faster in terms of decision making on Heiko chain versus parallel. Mm -hmm. So do you think that there will be any features that Heiko will have that won't make it over to parallel or is will, will it always be eventually parallel will get it? I think eventually parallel will get it. Yeah. There isn't anything like so experimental that you would never like bring it over, but it, it's okay to be on, on Heiko. Hmm. For that, I actually need to think about that. Nothing in my, on my mind. Um, yeah. Mostly it should be, everything should be bringing to the Polkadot chain. I, I mean, if it's a really good feature, why not? If it's a bad feature, then, you know, both can might just cancel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess the the idea is if people want to, you know, experiment and have a little bit of, um, you know, as, as the, the catchphrase of Kusama is expect chaos, if people want to experience a little bit of chaos, um, they can use um, Kusama and Heiko and, and be on the bleeding edge of technology because all the updates are going to happen there first before they make it over to the, the main chains. Um, so I guess that's the, the value proposition there for folks. So we talked about, uh, we talked about a whole lot of what the platform offers and, um, and we talked a bit about it being built on Substrate. And I know that you guys are a part of the Substrate Builders program that we have uh, through Parity. And so I'm, I'm interested in what your experience has been uh, in the SBP. And um, yeah, what, what have you built with that? Yeah, so uh, SBP, we work with a Substrate Builder program on uh, the money market, liquid staking, cross-chain communication, XCM protocols, you know, transfer tokens and then uh, things like that. Super helpful. Um, and then uh, we are, you know, submitting our milestones and then, you know, progresses constantly with them. And then, uh, yeah, it's been great. Cool. So and like, how does that work? So you, you have an idea and then you submit your proposal to the SBP um, and then they, they kind of like help you and, and walk you through uh, implementing it and give you support. Is, is that essentially it in a nutshell? Mm, yeah, so it's just more like we submit a milestone and we start to work on it. And then uh, if we have questions, we will ask them. That's more like what it is. Cool. And um, you guys had a, a milestone recently, right? That's correct. Yes. We have the milestone recently <laughs> for uh, <laughs> for milestone one, technically. Like, we're still like delivering it. 
uh, it, it's funny because we actually had developed multiple versions for the money market and staking protocols. And then, um, so it, we're just waiting for the, uh, the review and things like that. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. So I think that, um, that brings us closer to the end. Do you want to mention anything else on um, how people can get involved with your project or, or any um, like kind of call to action for folks here? Yeah, so um, definitely follow us on you know Discord, Telegram, uh, Twitter, and then um, ask our team any questions. One more thing, we are hiring for uh, multiple positions. We're trying to expand the team. So uh, including engineers, software engineers, front engineers, hiring for uh, head of marketing, community managers, we're hiring for, you know, BD positions and then many, many positions in this space and check out our website, career page. And then, um, yeah, I think the best call to action will be, you know, like uh, follow us. And then uh, if you are interested, we'll definitely be in contact if you are interested to join. Awesome. Okay. Um, I want to thank you very much for, for taking the time and coming to chat with me. I learned a ton and I'm excited to see all of the innovative technology that you are building with uh, Parallel and Heiko. Um, so thank you very much, you both, for coming. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on Relay Chain. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the subjects we talked about today. So please reach out to us on Twitter at Relay Chain or by email podcast at parity.io. The team at Parity has some of the brightest minds working towards building a robust and inclusive ecosystem that puts power back into the hands of its community members. With cross-chain communication as a primary goal, we aim to break down the tribalistic barriers that have formed throughout the blockchain industry. If you want to learn more about what we're building, or if you want to join our team, visit our website at Parity.io and sign up for our newsletter at Parity.io slash newsletter. The content presented on Relay Chain is not financial or investment advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to support any specific project. The views expressed are the personal opinions of the podcast guests and hosts and are not necessarily shared by Parity Technologies or Web3 Foundation, who do not endorse or guarantee the accuracy of the information provided.